hello, and welcome to the Mo Bro Show, where I, Tip Mosley, pastor at Fellowship Baptist Church in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, will sit and discuss topics of life and ministry and theology with my brother, J.P. Mosley, who is a professor and minister at Heidelberg Theological Seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. On today's episode, JP and I will give an introduction, going back to look at our background in education and ministry, and in closing, we'll discuss a phrase that is used in our day and age, but has rooting in scripture, and that phrase being, sign of the times. First of all, JP, thank you for helping me out with this and agreeing to be part of it. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure. So basically what we're going to be doing is a weekly podcast, a weekly uh, series where um, basically, you know, I went to school originally to, to be a English teacher. And so I've always been fascinated with uh, play on words, um, phrases, idioms. And I've always been interested in people will say things and use it sometimes in the correct context, but also kind of use it in the wrong context and even not even know where that phrase that they're using is originated, where it has originated from, uh, which a lot of the phrases that people use originate from the Bible or originate in the Bible time. So what I want to do is look at phrases that we use commonly today, find them in scripture, use them and study them in the, in the context of scripture and see kind of how, how people are possibly using them wrong or using them correctly. And then I want to get your advice because you are seasoned in in your knowledge and wisdom of scripture to that be was able a to joke do. about the gray in my beard no <laughs> i think i have more gray in my beard than you do well and you have more kids than i do so i don't see why um it's peace so basically give advice for young pastors that are out there because i am one young in age and also young in my career as a pastor. Um, But before we begin, uh, hopefully everybody listening to this would know that we are brothers, but some people listening to it may not know that you and I are brothers, uh, separated by only a few months. Well, 17. I mean, a few would be like we're almost twins, but (laughs) we haven't known a time where we didn't have each other. But we act like twins, uh, and it's scary because Aaron... My wife, she does not like playing games with us because if we're if we're playing Pictionary, you could draw a straight line. I'd be like, "Yep, Cinderella's castle," which has happened before. That's that's um, it was the glass slipper. I think was the the actual, but yeah, it scared the snot out of whoever we were playing. <laughs> so we ha- we uh, we have a wavelength. Even though you're in South Dakota, I'm I'm here in Tennessee. We still have like this strange wavelength uh, between our minds and that's good it only comes from 
being, we were always really close. So sometimes we only had each other. Um, but if you would, uh, let's talk about your credentials and people can understand where all that wisdom comes from. Like for me, for me, any ministry role I've been in, it has fallen in my lap or it's been someone saying, Hey, do this. We need you to do this. Uh, that came with worship, that worship leading that came with now being a pastor. Uh, uh, but you, you have put the hard work into it. You have put the deep study into it. And so you have now what, like three PhDs. No, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, I don't have three PhDs. You've been, you've been a, you were a pastor for 15. Uh, around 10. Oh, 10 years. Okay. But I've been studying for the ministry for over 15. Okay. Um, so I, uh, I went to college for pastoral ministry. Um, I did change colleges, uh, because of, uh, moving uh, my wife and I, we moved to Michigan and in that change of college, they didn't really have a pre-seminary degree for pastoral ministry. Their pre-seminary degree was more in biblical studies. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, I did make that change. Um, but I, I think before that, mine and your training actually began uh, at, at Radnor Baptist Academy. Yeah. I think that has to be made clear that you and I both had the same Bible teachers really early on uh, where you and I had, had this, that decision. Our dad came to us when we were both in junior high and, and asked if we would like to, well, like to change schools. And I don't know if you remember my response. My response was, uh, I want to go somewhere where I can study the Bible. At that moment, eighth <laughs> my grade, response was no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mine was like, yeah, no, let's do this. And a lot of it had to do with also getting to play basketball and the potential of other sports. Um, but I, I wanted to study the Bible. Um, early on, it was around that year, eighth grade, that I kind of had this, I just had a passion for it. I wanted to be somewhere where we where we were able to learn the Bible, pray freely, even though that eighth grade year, half of that year, I had a teacher, this was at a public school there in Mount Juliet, uh, that did pray with us before lunch. It was, yeah. it was, it was weird. It was yeah. not normal. Um, and so I think, I think really a lot of the, the, the prepping for ministry started then where Radner was very much a college prep academy. That's what it was. That's what it was going for. Um, and so then, then I went on to, to, to university, met my wife, uh, there we moved to Michigan where I then studied, uh, I, I had three, uh, three full years of, of Greek studies and, uh, two years of Hebrew studies. Uh, so my, I have a minor in biblical languages and then I majored in uh, biblical studies. It, it's it's ironic that I got a bachelor's of science in biblical studies. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, literally the day after graduation, um, and uh, I ended up going directly that January. So I graduated in December. Directly went on to seminary that next January and picked up. And 
uh, what was normally a, a three year, I did it in two and a half years, just and really a lot of it had to do with having the pre-SIM degree. I didn't need to do the languages over again. Um, and I, I, I worked through the summers uh, on classes. Uh, but understand a pre-SIM degree is the equivalent of a, of a pre-med or pre-law. Yeah. And so it, it is focused on how to get how to get through a master's program, how to study theology, how to study the Bible. Um, and then after, after seminary, I pastored a church in North Carolina for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was probably the last time my wife and I lived in the South. Um, one of my professors says it's the best of both worlds. It was a Dutch uh, reformed congregation that also drank sweet tea, <laughs> which I was like, well, okay, you know, um, and then we, we, I took a call. Uh, I was already a licensed preacher by this time in both the United Reformed Churches and the uh, Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA. And I took a call to um, a church in Pierre, South Dakota, or Pierre, uh, Pierre, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, and some of the surrounding states, they pronounce it Pierre. Um, I took a call there. Um, and then was licensed within the Reformed Church in the United States, the RCUS, and then was ordained, um, and I've been ordained for um, nine to ten years now Mm -hmm. as an ordained minister in the RCUS. I pastored in Pierre for five years and then went on to Colorado Springs where I pastored for another four years. And then um, while I was in Pierre, I was asked to be a part of the inaugurating uh, class at a seminary called Heidelberg Theological Seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. They were starting a doctoral ministry program. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been praying about doing some um, further education. Uh, education. I didn't know what I wanted to be, whether it was just going to conferences or uh, taking something like getting a THM or getting a DMIN or something. I didn't know. Well, I was approached at our, ch- our annual church camp by the president of the seminary asking if I would uh, enroll in the program and take the classes. Um, upon prayer and asking uh, the elders of my church, uh, we started. I started that program uh, the winter uh, my daughter was born. Um, literally that 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 following week. <laughs> Yeah. And then I finished the uh, spring that my uh, uh, last son was born, mm-hmm. uh, and I've graduated with a with a with a doctorate, uh, and now uh, I've taken a position actually at Heidelberg teaching biblical studies and systematic theology. So I'm a professor of biblical studies and systematic theology. I also act as the academic dean and uh, registrar. Um, I am still a minister, um, mm-hmm. uh, still credentialed in that, but I also am a professor now at a seminary. And all your hard work um, has really paid off. I mean, you, you're, you've made a name for yourself within the RCUS um, as you've been on boards. Is that correct? Or you've Not been, boards, you've been there committees. for committees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you've overseen people coming in. Yeah. And now, yeah, I mean, it's all by God's grace that I'm, I'm, I'm where I am and able to do what I do. I, I don't take it for granted. And, uh, and it, you know, when the RCS likes to put men that work hard to use. And so the opportunity to be on candidates for credentials committees, 
home missions committees. I'm right now I'm on interchurch relations. Uh, uh, I've, I've been on the camp committee just about as long as I've been in the RCUS. So that's, that's fun to help with the youth uh, part of ministry. But, you know, it, uh, our denomination is, is the size that it is. It's just about every minister gets put to use. And I've had to chair some of those committees and it's, it's been fun. Uh, it's been an honor to be able to do that. And, um, but no, I don't think it's because of there's anything special. It's just, I just I do what I'm asked. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I feel I've always felt like our stories are kind of like opposites where because um, I've always seen you work hard. Oh, always. I've always seen you work hard. I've all I've always seen you put everything you are into the ministries that you do, the study that you do. Like when we were younger, uh, it was like pulling teeth having uh mom or dad trying to get you to read even yeah. even something like the chronicles of narnia you know it was you know you would choose something for summer reading or choose something for a reading class and then you didn't want to do it but now you are the most well-read person that i know you read a thousand books a year thousand. If, if that 1.2 <laughs> billion books a year <laughs> but no like going back to our history but yeah, you're correct. When we were taken out of junior high, Mount Juliet Junior High, um, which no longer exists, it's something else now. Um, you went knowing this is a good opportunity. I yeah. went kicking and screaming because yeah. I didn't want to do it. But if it hadn't have happened, I wouldn't become a worship leader because it was at Radnor where my ministry began when I was within the youth group where the youth pastor said, Hey, we need someone to lead worship tip. You're going to be that person. And of course that wouldn't have happened either. If dad hadn't set up our dad hadn't set up a youth worship while he was the youth pastor. And so, you know, I was up there with a guitar or a bass guitar or whatever. And then that kind of like opened the door into the next youth pastor coming in, filling those shoes needing someone to lead worship. He called on me. I did it kicking and screaming. I did it. And then I was molded and shaped into the youth pastor I'd become. And then eventually that would lead to leading worship for multiple churches, which then would end up me leading worship for the church where I am right now, where they had a falling out with their pastor and they asked me to step up and fill that role. Well, you also, had opportunities while we were in high school because I, I I was a part of that leadership group too. Um, not, not, not reluctant because that's what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to be, you know, involved in that kind of stuff. Um, but you, you ended up having a bigger role in, in, in a lot because of your musical talent. Like, uh, you, you started Right. I actually tell people you started playing professionally while in high school because all in, all you need to pay professionally is to get paid. Yeah. And the church paid and, me. Yeah. And you got paid to play the drums. I think it was the drums originally. Yeah. Yep. And then it moved to moved to other instruments. And uh, of course, they had you playing that one silly beat drum beat the whole time. Boom. Gap, boom, gap, boom. Well, that was one. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was with a southern southern baptist church. It was normally just boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom. Mm-hmm. Chick. Yeah. Every song. Didn't matter yeah. what song it was, except for the one uh, that he, the, the the leader, the music director had written himself. He he wanted a calypso beat for that one. So I had to learn Latin drum beats. 
while while in a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. And that well, was, and to kind of from my perspective, I'm I don't I don't yeah I mean I've had other ministers just recognize that I do put a lot of work into what I do, put a lot of hard work into what I do. I think it's fun. So it's not, it's not like it's work then if it, if if it's fun, it doesn't feel like work. Right. And part of the reason why it was like pulling teeth to get me to read was they didn't know at the time. I think you and I both around that time had had uh, the tests done around third grade and were placed in advanced math, advanced this and advanced that. Well, they didn't know I was almost legally blind in one eye. So it was, it was, it was like pulling teeth. It hurt to read. Hmm. And, and so, you know, I, reading became, became probably the challenge. Uh, but uh, getting, getting to how I, how I viewed things like that was things always came easy to you. Studies came easy to you. You know, you got to do, you got to do that ministry that came easy. Um, but when you, when you go to make decisions, I don't know if you recall us being like in the toy aisle, toy aisle at Walmart. Yes. Oh yeah. You know, I, I go in because I'm this driven, I'm this focused. I've been thinking about the whole time I've been working, I've been thinking about what I'm going to spend my money on. You know, you would think you would have done the same thing, but no, 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 no you, you, he was like, Oh, we're at the toy aisle. Well, now I need to, <laughs> now I need to figure out what I'm going to do with this <laughs> while I'm standing there waiting. I've already got what I wanted. Right. And so, you know, I was um, very indecisive, but I mean, I was really into the X-Men at the time. And there were so many choices when it came to choosing an X-Men figure. You can't blame me for that. No, 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 there was a lot there. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Yes, that definitely that part of my personality. I uh, And and I think that's the reason why, you know, I, I got started in my late 20s in ministry. Um, you're in it in your early thirties. There's not much difference in time. The only difference is, is, uh, the, the, the route we got to where we are. Yeah. Um, and, and what's, what's awesome is looking back at it. I, I can see myself kicking and screaming, but I look back and I see God's hand moving. Oh uh, yeah. And I see the doors that he opened. I mean, it gets it, to the point to where I was like, here, here's God moving. I was doing pest control and I hated it. And I, and my life felt empty. Mm. I went, I went from being a full-time counselor, being burnt out, quitting the job on a whim, quit the job and then had nothing. Well, and, and, and stop for a second. You actually went back to school and got a master's yeah, uh, as a master's of arts, right? Yes. In Christian counseling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and and I and I think if I recall well, you thought that was going to tickle that itch of ministry. Yeah, and I'd and, said no, you should just go do an MDiv. Right, and it's going to be written on my tombstone. He should have listened. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 tried to grab a Beast from the X Men, and I said I, I don't know. I just get that Wolverine out of it. Well. Here's the here's the, here, the crazy the story is crazy and I love telling the story is that I was doing I was doing pest control and I absolutely hated it and I just felt empty. Yeah. And then I thought at that time, well, I'm a worship leader and I've got all this 
experience. Why don't I try to do it full time? And I was looking at churches all over the place, looking at churches, and it was just falling through until one church said, yeah, we want you here. And then all of that started falling through. Um, and at the time I was doing sales with a pest control company and I was not bringing any money home. I was losing money because if, if an account canceled, that money was taken out of my paycheck. Doesn't matter who messed up, nothing. If it was an account that I sold and they canceled, then that money was taken from my next paycheck. So I brought home $0 paychecks. It cost them more money to print that check when they could have just given me that 50 cents to print that check or whatever. Anyway, and I went to my boss and I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. The stress is tearing me up. I can't feed my kids. I can't, I just can't anymore. I'm going to go work for a line locating company because I've got a friend who's there and he's willing to take me in and it's guaranteed money, guaranteed work. And he said, uh, well, how much would they pay you? And this, he, he took care of me, the boss there who he's, he died last year and it, it's like absolutely awful. It, I, he's, he was a associate pastor. He was a really good man. He took care of me and um, he was like, oh, how much are they going to pay you? And I told him and he's like, well, what if you were a technician instead of a salesman and I paid you that much plus any overtime that you need and you work hourly instead of on commission? I said, okay, I'll do it today. So I changed my uniform, went over to the technician manager, and I said, I'm ready. To, and they were all excited because I, I started out as a, tech, as a technician, and they loved me, and I was good at the work I was doing. I put all my work, all my effort into that because it was good work. It's, it's grueling work, but it's good work. Um, and he said, okay, well, I got to start for you. It's a church in Mount Juliet. I said, okay. And I came, and I started the pest control at the church where I'm the pastor now. Yeah. It's insane. And you know, you know, the one, the one blessing out of this whole, out of, out of your story uh, that I, I don't have, I don't have one of these things where I walked into a situation and I was deathly afraid of spiders. And as I walked out, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do yeah. though. Yeah. I mean, you could say, yeah, there was one time where I, 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 I couldn't even see a, a spider on the television and now. Bleh. True. <laughs> yeah, the more I learned about the enemy, the less I feared him. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I, I want to thank you for helping me out with this. Uh, yeah. The church, the church here has been wanting me to do like a weekly Bible study or a weekly um, devotional or a weekly something. I thought, why not do a podcast where we can, you and I as brothers within the ministry and brothers, um, you know, in our lives. I don't yeah. know however else to say that, but we're biological uh, brothers. Biologically, yes, there you go. Biologically and spiritual brothers, uh, working within the ministry, we can like do this together, and I can bounce ideas off of you, and you can give me because I, I always look forward to your advice, uh, and so kind of I want it to go in that realm where at the end of our discussion, I because I, you are there at Heidelberg Theological Seminary preparing young men, preparing men to go into the ministry to be pastors. Yeah. And so you, I, I always go to you for that kind of advice. And so if we were to end our discussion on what would your advice be for the pastor when it comes to this topic? Mm. Mm. If, you know, if that's fine yeah. with you. Yeah, um, that's great. Uh, keep in mind, um, I, th I think what these, what these podcasts will be are the type of discussions you and I have 
on a regular basis anyway. True. We're just putting it down on tape. We're just now recording the conversations. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I, I remember I was actually, I, I was in seminary and you were still going to Liberty. Yeah. Uh, getting your undergrad degree. And you were having to write a paper on the gospel of John and you wanted to just focus on the prologue of John. So like the first <laughs> 17, 18 verses of, of John. Which are good. I love those. I love yeah, chapter yeah, one. Yeah. And uh, I did a Bible study for a whole year and we didn't even leave that those verses. But yeah. um, which gets to the point I'm getting ready to make. Uh, you said, JP, I, can, can I get some help real quick? I'm trying to put this paper together. And I said, well, how much time do you have? And about two hours later, I was done talking. <laughs> and I think well, I said, did you, did you write that down? <laughs> well, what's funny is when the church asked me to step up and fill this role as their pastor, the, the place where I began preaching was John 1.1. 1, 1. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that that Sunday I preached on only John 1.1. 1, 1. Yeah, that's good. Then the next Sunday was John 1.2. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I, I've... Kind of like how I was telling you before, I've always been fascinated with um, phrases, idioms. Idioms, um, yeah. And, well, and and one thing that we gotta we gotta make clear: you and I are both uh, southern. <laughs> yeah. And and our and our even our approach in preaching is oddly similar. Um. Uh, which is which is. Again, you you know you train somebody for pastoral ministry. You don't want them to be a puppet, yeah. To where they they look or that you don't want them to you know imitate you know imitate you. You want them to have their own personality, their own cadence, their own structure to things. Uh, but when I when I <clears throat> watch one of your sermons, and even my wife uh, even says kind of the same thing, I she goes, I can see that you two are brothers, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is which is neat, but. Uh, you know, yeah, and I, I've just I've just labeled it as it's a Middle Tennessee style. I mean, well, it's funny that you say that because we were we were practicing something uh, at the church, and uh, the sound guy had one of the one of my old messages going through the speakers, and I walk in and I hear it, and I'm like, "Whoa, where did you where did you find that?" He's like, "It's on it's on Facebook." I was like, "You're friends with my brother on Facebook?" <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's my brother. That's JP. He's preaching. He said, no, that's you. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, take that as, you know, you can take that as a compliment if you want. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I will. But, but You're a good thing, preacher. What I, get, what I was getting ready to say is that some of the idioms that you and I grew up with are, I, sounds like are going to be the ones that we're going to talk about. Yeah, well, the one I want to look at today is one that's being used a lot today. It was used a lot last year, uh, going through a pandemic, going through, still going through a pandemic, a lot of weird things happening in the world, uh, a lot of weird things going on in our country. And people would often say, well, it's a sign of the times. And so that one really has stuck with me. I hear it a lot. I see it a lot. And I don't know if people realize that Jesus used that that phrase. Jesus used those words, sign of the times. And we find it, let's get right into it. We find it in Matthew chapter 16. And I will read it here. So Matthew, we're gonna look, I want to look at Matthew 16 and just take this first bit, one through four. 
because that's where we find it. We'll go. We'll we'll need context of of what's going on around Jesus at this time as he is saying these things. Uh, but verse one kind of gives us a little bit of context of why he is saying it. Uh, but I know that we can we can look back and we can look forward and see a little historical context too of what's going on. Uh, but I'm going to read this, and this is New King James here. Uh, so Matthew 16, 1 through 4. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites. And in New King James, it has an exclamation point at the end of it. Hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. So now there's actually a couple of things in there. One, on like a lighter note, is one that I had always heard, and I didn't, when I was younger, didn't know that it was biblical, that it was in Scripture here, actually in this section here. But um, it would be something for fishermen. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor be be warning. Morning. Yeah. And so that's, Jesus is saying that there. Yeah. Uh, it will be fair weather. You can, you can almost like they're pseudo meteorologist or something like you can look at the sky and you can see what's going to happen, what the weather is going to be like based on the color of the sky at the time of the day that it's, that it's, that it's red, it's red in the morning or it's red at night. That's right. But, well, um, you know, as, as we begin, it's, it's probably important to notice though that, uh, um, Theologically, the signs of the times uh, actually has its own uh, place in, in, in the way that we see the Bible, the way that we uh, organize the Bible. Uh, yeah, it's here, and this is, this is where Jesus begins to bring it up, but it's, it's in other places too because um, a, lot, a lot of the culture that you and I grew up in, when it would refer to, well, this is the sign of the times, what it's referring to and what it's getting at is the idea that uh, the end is coming. Right. See, the way that people contextualize it now is that they will see someone walking into Walmart with a mask on and be like, well, it's a sign of the times. And and the way that the phrase is used now is that it's just an emphasis of the state of the world. Yeah. It's it's an underlying emphasis on this is what's happening right now. Yeah. So let me let me go ahead and get to the end of what our discussion, which our discussion is probably it, it, I, I would recommend our discussion on this particular phrase, this this southern English idiom here uh, could go on for several, several of these episodes. It could, depending on how um, long we want it to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because the end, what we're going to get at is the 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 signs of the time or the end of time started started when Jesus said this. Hmm. Um, in other words, Jesus's birth, his his incarnation, his incarnation, his his conception, you know, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, that begins the latter days. To be even more specific, 
his entire life and ministry, even his 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 mock his his just absurd trial at the hands of the Jews and the Romans, his death, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his ascension and his return make up one big cosmic event. Yeah. That's the latter times. That's and that's what Jesus is talking about. You and and, and what's what's interesting here is I've I've preached on this passage. You can find it on sermon audio if you just type in my name and then type in this particular passage. Um, <clears throat> I, I actually preached verses one through four. It was one sermon for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in that, I, the main point of my sermon is only unbelievers ask for a sign. Yeah. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. An adulterous generation. Uh, yes. A, yeah. a wicked and adulterous generation. Yeah. And so here you, here you have... Pharisees, and let's let's stop and let's ask. Well, who are the Pharisees? They were your ministers. They were your professors mm-hmm. of that day. Yeah, they were the religious elite. Now, so were the Sadducees. Um, and they they held a lot of the priesthood, and the Pharisees were kind of your everyday man minister kind of thing. But for them, when they come to Jesus and ask for a sign, when the Pharisees and Sadducees came. Testing him. It, in other words, it's the seminary professors and then the ministers. It's it's the ordained pastors. It's it's the ones that are coming up and saying, "Hey, um, are are you going to show us a sign so that we can, well, so that we can believe in what you're saying?" And the context of the, of a sign comes from the Old Testament in Deuteronomy when when Moses is telling them that there are prophets coming. Mm-hmm. In order for the people of Israel to recognize that it was a prophet, they had to then give a sign. Now, it could have been what we call a miracle, time yeah. stopping, uh, the dead being raised, an axe mm-hmm. head floating. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have also been whatever they said came to pass. Yeah. For example, Samuel, uh, Saul, your, your donkeys have been found. Saul finds out his donkeys were found that exact moment where Samuel said the donkeys were found. Right. So those, those in essence are signs. And what they're asking is, is not, is not an unchristian or an ungodly thing. But the problem is up to this point, Jesus has been showing signs. Right. And they just didn't recognize him. Jesus has been doing miracles. Yeah. He's been healing. Demons have been kicked out. There's all kinds of stuff that has been happening that shows this is the messianic era. The Christ has come. So uh, whenever a prophet would say something, they would have to back it up. They have to back it up. And what would happen? And I, mean, I know what would happen. So uh, give the answer here. What would happen if a prophet cannot back it up? If he says that I've spoken this word from God and they cannot back it up, the response in the Old Testament and in I would say too in Jesus's day was you, death. you stoned them. Yeah. You put, death. you put them to death if they can't back it up. Now, now, now some people did walk away from stoning. Paul had been stoned. Yes. Uh, but it's interesting in Jesus, when he goes to Nazareth and he preaches a, a sermon there in Nazareth at the synagogue, they prepared to stone him. Yep. But he's so, doing these great things. Yeah. He's doing these amazing things. And I think that's why he says, look, you can see it in the sky. It's plain to see mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. It's also plain to see what I am doing 
is essentially yeah. what Jesus is saying. And oh, they don't want to see it. They want to give reason to either put him to death or, uh, well, I mean, I guess that would be the main thing. They want to put him to death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's overturning the religious system. Yeah. Um, to put it another way, the, the other thing that's happening here is I, I, I made the point that only unbelievers ask for signs. And then I made the point that the church was told to ask for a sign when it came to a prophet. But you didn't have to ask a prophet for a sign. It's what they were supposed to do. Right. And that's my point here is in verses one through four, these Pharisees and Sadducees, they are testing him. Right. This, this, it's not their responsibility to test. It's their responsibility to recognize and receive. Mm -hmm. And the idea that when, when we're up in the pulpit preaching, which and then in turn preaching is then the very word of God, the members, the believers will recognize that it's Christ speaking to his church and then receive it as the word. And a lot of people go, well, you know, I got to test this. I got to test that. Um, need to go and check to see if it's biblical. Mm, yeah, that's fine. You don't do it while you're listening to the sermon, though. You wait and you go home. <laughs> you see, yeah. what these guys are doing is they're coming in and they're they're putting Jesus to the test. We need a, we need a sign. And, and it's interesting. Jesus points, like you were saying here, he points to two places. He points to creation, which is a revelation from God. General revelation. General revelation. And he says, look, you can recognize whether, uh, and later on he'll say, any fool can see that. <laughs> and then and then he says, but what you're asking of me, you can't recognize that the blind are seeing. The deaf can hear. Yeah. The mute can speak. The lame can walk. You, you can't recognize what I've been doing this whole time. Now, I want to ask you, and you can look at um, the Greek if you want, but I'm wondering, and if I'm wrong, that's okay. It's just it's it's me wondering when he says you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Is he telling them that they won't be able to? Like maybe that their blindness is so thick that he's seeing into their hearts yeah. to know. That's a good question. In, in other words, it, it's actually getting to uh, a, an, an aspect of the doctrine of sin. Okay. And this, this sometimes this, this aspect of the doctrine of sin gets people upset because they think they have more ability than they actually do. Um, in other words, when Jesus says you, you can't discern, it actually is you're unable to. You're, and why are they unable to? This is where I got my theme for that sermon was from that very word. Yeah. Only the unbeliever will ask for a sign. So when Jesus was in, in uh, Galilee yeah, and all these people started flocking around him. Yeah. And they too were saying, you know, show us, uh, give us this, give us something, give us a sign, give it. And they, uh, Jesus's response to them was um, somewhat the same as his response here to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Where yeah. I can't remember where that is from. Well, but keep in mind what what what's come before this. You've got the the feedings, the five thousand, the four thousand. Okay. 
those are great signs from heaven. And yeah. and he's saying, what you can't even recognize that. Right. You know, uh, but it's, it's this inability that Jesus is poking at that he's, that he's dealing with. The unbeliever is unable to recognize. And Paul says this in first Corinthians, the unbeliever is unable to recognize spiritual things. So then let's go to people out there who profess to be Christian, who even profess and stand before people as preachers. Mm. And they say that everything that's going on right now in our world is a sign of the times and the world is ending. And people better get ready. Yeah. I mean, I believe because in Revelation, it says Jesus is coming soon. You know, he's he, he quickly, he's, he's coming. Now, I don't know when, you don't know when, Jesus doesn't know when. Right. But there are people out there that are using this to say, this is biblical. Uh, yeah. The things that are happening, we knew they were going to happen because the Bible told us they were going to happen. And now Jesus is going to come back now. Yeah. So uh, there, there was a year or two ago, we had a whole series of blood moons and a bunch of these types of preachers got on the, got on there and said, Christ, you know, Jesus is returning uh, because of these blood moons and it's going to happen. And they actually gave dates. No. <laughs> oh my well, if we were to follow old Testament law, thank God we don't. Uh, those guys deserve the death, the death penalty. Now I'm not mm. saying we should, no, that's, I don't agree for being false prophets for being false prophets. What we as a church need to do is we need to say, Hey, those people and, you know, TBN and other places like that, they're false prophets. We have no business watching that on television. It only gives them ratings. Yeah. One of them gets up there and says, he blows and says, there goes COVID. I curse you. And, G and you know, curse you, Satan. I curse you. Look, the, the book of Jude makes it very clear. Even Michael, the archangel, would not bring a curse on Satan. Ooh. How much more are we not? We should we be careful when we go to? Instead, we need to say, our our life, our our life and our death are in God's hands. Yeah. And for example, with COVID, is it a sign of the times? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, there's God. God no longer opens up heaven and speaks directly that way. He speaks to us as the author of Hebrews says in chapters chapter one, the first few verses there. Through his word, through yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Now, if we looked at all of redemptive history, meaning Genesis to Revelation, we looked at all of the Bible and said, what are pandemics? What is disease? What is death? It's two ways that God judges people because of sin. Mm -hmm. That's very generic. Yeah. So can we sit back and say this is a sign of the times? Yes, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. It's been fallen since Genesis 3. Yeah. But we also live in a world that is being redeemed in Christ. So what does that mean? That means we have the opportunity to take the gospel everywhere we go with the hope that the Holy Spirit will open people's eyes, remove that inability that we see here in, in uh, Matthew 16, verse 3, so that they can see Jesus yeah. and hear Jesus. 
Well, apart from that, we have Romans 1, 18 through the end of that chapter. People are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. They don't want to see the truth. They don't want to face the truth. They can't face the light. No. Uh, They get blinded. Right. And they they love the darkness more than they love the light. Absolutely. Um, But you go back to uh, Social Security numbers being given out. (laughs) It's the end of the world. It's the mark of the beast. It's a sign of the times. Uh, Again, no biblical proof for any of that. Right. And then, uh, uh, but Joel, that's Russian helicopters. Well, it wasn't Russian helicopters for Joel. Yeah, no. And, and, uh, uh, the Kroger plus cards come out and they're like, oh no, this is the only way we're going to pay for our groceries. Signs of the times. No, it's it's signs of the times. No, no. What, what, what's happening is, is we're having a change with how we deal with money. You think, you think when we moved to paper currency, people were saying, oh, it's the mark of the beast. Like now we're moving to more plastic. Oh, it's the sign of the mark of the beast. Yeah. Let, let's we we kid ourselves, and I C.S. Lewis called it acad- academic snobber when we thought we were the when we're the most sophisticated. Or uh, without thinking, what did the sign of the times mean during Jesus's day? Yeah. Or what was the mark of the beast during John's day when he wrote Revelation? Right. Now we if want it to only has meaning for us today with zero meaning for the people back then then we've we, we've lost focus with the point of the Bible. Yeah. Well, we want to Americanize it. Yeah. Uh, we want to put ourselves into it. Uh, if John were to mention uh, an eagle, oh, that means America. <laughs> yeah, eagles have only been around as state symbols since America. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's... The eagle's been a state symbol for Rome and for many other countries prior to that. Yeah. No, it's it's silly. All right. Now, he he says that um, no sign shall be given. Yeah. So when 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 people are out there, like uh, there's a there's a I'm going to call him a public speaker because I don't want to call him a pastor and I don't want to call him a preacher. But he went on to Facebook and he said that he had a dream. God spoke to him in a dream that. His friend, Donald Trump, came up to him and said, Pastor, you know, his name, Pastor so-and-so, I need your help because I'm going to be the next president of the United States. But I need your help to make sure the people know that. And this gentleman, this pastor was there at the riot on the Capitol. Yeah. And now he stands before a congregation trying to backpedal a little bit with the words that he said, seeing now the truth or, you know, what's, what's going on. And he's trying to fix what he said before about his dream using more lies and trying to throw everybody else in the government underneath this big bus that that he thinks that he is driving with Donald Trump in the passenger seat. Yeah. Now that's scary to me. Well, and it's 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 not it's not the first time. Oh yeah, I know that. Somebody, but somebody with falsehood came up and said, "Well, that's not really what I meant." <laughs> or I guess I didn't understand. I, I, well, I've had a second dream. Mormonism is filled with that. Jehovah's Witnesses are filled with that. True. Um, again, 
what's our grounding? Our grounding is the word of God, not some dream that I got. But see, whenever think of whenever when I ever hear people talk about, you know, I, I think of Ebenezer Scrooge from the Christmas Carol. Yeah. You know, and that's what he addressed the phantoms like. However, one one theologian back in the 1500s made a point that God God could still use dreams um, to speak to people. It, it's it's possible, but that's not the way God does that anymore. Um, in other words, if our house is burning down, God could use the smoke alarm as well as uh, as uh, as a dog to wake us up so we could get out of the house. Right. He doesn't have to sh- all of a sudden send an angel or ministering angel or, or an audible voice saying, get up. Right. No. We, the, a dog works. Smoke detector works. Uh, what I think is happening with a lot of people is, first of all, I think there is, while we may use biblical idioms, there is a biblical illiteracy that's also happening. Which is one of the reasons why I think this is a this is a good opportunity to to do this type of podcast is to just say, hey, did you know that's in the Bible? And you know that actually has a, a different meaning, right? Um, it's 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 when Jesus uses the word "sign of the time," he doesn't mean we're wearing masks or using credit cards. That just means. There's a virus out there that people don't want to contact or contract, and some people are afraid, some people aren't. It also means our type of currency is changing. That's happened before. Mm-hmm. It's not the it's not the first time, it won't be the last time. What is important though, and this is this is where we could, you know, pick up pick up at another time, but what is important is to recognize what are signs of the times. There's both positive and negative. And while you were making the point, Jesus says, there's no sign that shall be given. It says, except the sign of Jonah, the prophet, Yep. which, which was death, burial, resurrection, Gentiles being saved. Oh yeah. Well, I want to get to that at another time. All right. Um, Well, there's your, there's, there's your, uh, uh, segue. Yeah. I want to, I want to pick up at the no sign shall be given. And kind of okay. talk about then why do we still look for them? Yeah, and then talk about um, the uh, sign of the prophet Jonah. So we'll talk about that next time. So yeah. we won't. We'll maybe we'll we'll wrap up sign of the times next time. Maybe uh, if not, we'll keep going. But I've got plenty of other sayings that are in the Bible that I want to go go over. Uh, some of them are uh, more. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say lighthearted, but because I want to keep it serious, but some of them are fun. Um, sure. Fun to look at. And you look at Old Testament hit. Like one of them that I want to do is, you know, um, old as Methuselah. Mm-hmm. And so I think it'd be fun to like sit and look at aging in the Old Testament and how that changed and look at look at Methuselah and, and how old he almost, he was 900 something years old. And it's in, insane to think that. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, so... This that we are doing, this this whole podcast series that we are doing, we are doing it out of the out of our own time. We're doing it out of the kindness of our own hearts to try to get word out there to people, and it's it's, it's extension of both of our ministries. So, as a as a pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and for you as a professor at Heidelberg Theological Seminary, 
Um, we're doing this as an extension of ministry so that people can get the word in mul- multiple medias, multiple uh, ways. Um, but also we're doing it for free, but there are opportunities for individuals to help with the ministries that you and I provide or, or within. Uh, and so if you don't mind, uh, just tell me a little bit of how people can help uh, give with your ministry at Heidelberg. And then I will also on my end. Sure. So one of the, one of the best and easy ways is to go to Heidelberg seminary.org H E I D E L B E R G S E M I N A R Y.org O R G Heidelberg seminary.org. And we have ways to support Heidelberg Theological Seminary. In fact, there's a link on there if you go to to uh, support HTS. That's probably one of the best ways uh, right now. There's other ways of you can find the information on how to contact me, how to contact uh, the staff here at Heidelberg. And uh, one of the things that we are trying to do is is find uh, what we want to call patrons of the seminary, people that would be willing to uh, annually give a certain amount uh, to the seminary. Uh, our ministries include not only uh, theological education with a master's of divinity, uh, but also uh, doctorate of ministry for those that are already in pastoral ministry. And then we, we also uh, have a ministry in the Philippines uh, where we teach uh, classes there so that students there can get a master's of theological studies and that the church can grow in the Philippines. That's one that we really, really are pursuing. Um but right now we actually have courses being offered uh, for this coming up semester. I will be teaching things like uh, hermeneutics, how to interpret the Bible, teaching Acts and Pauline epistles. I'll be teaching the prophets in the Old Testament. And I will also be teaching on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and of salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to teach those courses. But again, a way that you can uh, find a way to support the ministry here is go to HeidelbergSeminary.org. Well, thank you. Uh, and then here at Fellowship, which is where I am in my office, and you are there at Heidelberg in your office, yep. you in South Dakota, I mean, here in Tennessee. Uh, but the church I am with the uh, it is Fellowship Baptist Church. It's been, it was established in 1827. That And that when I think about that, that's incredible. Yeah. That the, the church was actually here and established before the city that is Mount Juliet was even formed and established. It started out in a log cabin, yeah. And then they started they they built a building, and then it grew from there. Um, but there's an opportunity to support the ministry here at this church. Uh, going to thefellowshipbc.org, and there is a call to action button to give online. And there's also the opportunity to watch our services online uh, too. So that's thefellowshipbc.org. O-R-G. All right. Well, JP, thank you so much uh, for sitting in with me and we will get back to Matthew 16 uh, next time. And I look forward to it. So once again, thank you for helping me out with this. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, well, all right, we'll have a wonderful day and uh, we'll talk next time.